0: Section thirty four of Secrecy or the Ruin on the Rock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Secrecy or the Ruin on the Rock by Eliza Fenwick. Volume two, letter seventeen from Lord Filmar to Sir Walter Boyer say dear sir walter to which of the gods shall my hecatomb blaze a burnt offering behold entering within those gates i see the Valmont coach i fly to greet the welcome visitants more welcome to me than gold to the miser than conquest to the warrior lie still thou throbbing mischief down down ye struggling expectations and let the for once spiritless countenance of filmar conceal his hopes tis true boyer as 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 anything that's most true here in this very monkton hall is mr valmont i and mrs valmont too and here i mean to keep them only to-morrow though to-morrow walter hail the dawn of to-morrow whips cracking horses flying and thy friend driving as fast as four can carry him into six thousand pounds a year if you want cash call on me any day next week you being a particular friend i'll oblige but to any one else somerville now for instance or nugent it will be cursed unfortunate but i shall have had a hard run of late or i shall be building and want to borrow myself or there will be great arrears on my estates not yet paid up but see here comes a bowing cringing tradesman who in my days of worse fortune has buffeted me with his purse-proud looks many a time and often really mister uh, uh, the amount of your bill seems a little enormous but i can't fatigue myself with looking into these matters the steward pays you ay ay be not troublesome and throwing myself along the sofa i may probably still deal with you Sibella, my dear raise these cushions under my head pshaw child you are devilishly awkward there pooh throw that gauze shade of yours over me sit down and watch lest ponto or rosetta should leap upon or disturb me by the bye walter as i am determined to reform when i am married and become an obedient hopeful son and nephew if uncle valmont should think and pray heaven he may my wife's oh lord what a shudder there is a radical cure i assure you i seized a square piece of paper and writing thereon in large characters, six thousand pounds per annum placed it exactly opposite me and the qualm vanished walter you shall see wife written on my page my wife oh i declare this scrap of paper is a charm of infinite value if uncle valmont i say should deem my wife's education incomplete and desires to have her longer under his tuition i will yield her up for one year or two or twenty if he pleases there's forbearance there's magnanimity dub me a hero sir knight and place me among the foremost talk of conquering a world indeed why philosophers of all ages have agreed that the truest heroism is to conquer self Dub me a hero, I say. I grant you this is all rattle, that is the manner, not the matter, upon my honour and poor forced rattle too but i must be mad for i cannot be merry nor yet serious my gadding spirits are whirling this enterprise round and round without ceasing sometimes tossing the dark side toward me and then ere i can make one retracting reflection smilingly presenting to me its advantages at that still time of night if my plan fail not when graves yield up the semblance of their dead my courtship is to begin once begun it must go on and the second setting sun beholds me a bridegroom close your door boyer stir up your fire and i'll tell you not now though for enter griffiths the gentlemen have walked out to the grounds my lord mrs valmont and lady monkton are alone right griffiths i understand your hint my lord it will certainly take returning shrugging his shoulders and laughing the butler hates squire valmont and enjoys the thought of playing him such a trick the lads will have to strip and turn out to-morrow i doubt not for this day's frolic then i must provide for them tis our frolic and not theirs griffiths should our plan fail it cannot fail my lord well well go mind you give more water than wine at dinner and now i steal from a back door make a circuit round the house and crossing the lawn join the dear good kind informing souls in the drawing-room you shall hear from me again presently walter i am gone in reputation i mean to seek the earl the baronet and the simple squire but in propria persona return to my chamber to tell you a story a story of stories the ladies were in the very heart of it when i entered luckily i had waited a sentence or two outside the door or i should have had no clue to bespeak a continuance of the subject mrs valmont was suspicious of me but having persuaded her that i am a sober sort of youth not at all given to hard-heartedness and infidelity she proceeded and i had the good fortune to listen with wondering eyes and gaping mouth to the particular account of how where and when miss valmont my wife that is to be saw a ghost stay let me recollect a ghost is i believe a terrific animal dressed in chains howling shrieking and always withdrawing in a flash of fire yes that's a ghost this was something more gentle and complacent mrs valmont makes nice distinctions i remember she called it an apparition of a spirit first appearing in the shape of an old hermit then in that of a young handsome beau first walking manlike into a wood next bouncing up fiend-like on a sudden in an armoury ay it was a spirit sibella saw she poor little barbarian is no better acquainted with the qualities of an apparition than of a man for simply enough she complained to mrs valmont of the disturbance given by this said shifting phantom to her meditations to be sure, Lady Monckton, said Mrs. Valmont, one must laugh at most of these stories, but we all know from good authority that such things have been seen. Indeed, I did not altogether credit the very extraordinary accounts I had heard of the disturbance the Valmont family had many years ago received from something that they say inhabits the ruin on the rock and even when my niece who in such affairs is ignorance itself told me her story i would not be convinced till i had sent three men servants to search the wood and the ruin if anything human had been there it must have been discovered the affair of the armoury i only mentioned to my own woman for i well knew it was impossible that any substance of flesh and blood out of our own household could get into the armoury what can be said, Lady Monkton, but that it is to answer some wise purpose or other? Does Mr. Valmont know? said I. Surely, Lord Filmar, you must judge poorly of my discretion to suppose that I would tell Mr. Valmont such an affair, for besides that there is a shocking degree of impiety in people's disbelief when the thing is indisputably true. He would torment the servants incessantly by sending them at night into those places, and perhaps he might abridge the poor child of her rambles around the park isn't miss valmont afraid of being alone asked lady monckton afraid ha 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 why she has not one idea lady monckton belonging to a rational being i assure you she is not afraid of anything well really her want of understanding is not at all marvellous shut up in that horrid abode i preserve a part of mine only by reflecting on former days the young lady's conversation then is not much relief to you madam said i no indeed tis her absence is the relief my lord mr valmont was much more kind than he intended when he ordered his niece not to frequent my apartments it is a thousand pities for the child has a fine person and is that is had she anything like manners and were not such an absolute idiot i do think she would be very handsome etc 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 some frolic of master clement montgomery's i presume this apparition to be walter yet surely she is not idiot enough to tell of herself in such a case ha woman woman still whether in solitude or society i well remember the fellow i saw tripping near valmont's moat yes yes he montgomery contrives to find secret admittance into that well-defended place and she contrives a rare finely imagined tale to turn the people's wits the seamy side without and throw a veil impervious as darkness around themselves and their pleasures yet hang it no montgomery said mrs valmont was abroad on his travels when this affair happened Besides, there is a degree of invention in the story which must have been beyond the capacity of so ignorant a girl heyday why i am anticipating eight-and-forty hours and already beginning to feel myself accountable for my wife's adventures peace be then to the apparition's ashes after the knot is tied and i and my bride are travelling homewards to receive forgiveness and golden blessings i shall probably want something to keep me awake and the child must tell me the story in her own way hark the dinner-bell my part in the plot will soon commence be content walter to trace it in its several progressive steps toward the catastrophe i have not patience to detail what it is to be and then sit down to relate what is adieu for a few hours so far so good nay better than good the very elements have conspired to my success such a storm of hail rain and thunder i never beheld at this season of the year the darkness was tremendous, and Mrs. Valmont's shattered nerves felt its effects most powerfully, notwithstanding the pompous harangue delivered by her caro sposo so, against such terrors. In the midst of this scene entered Mr. Valmont's gentleman, who, bowing reverently in a low tone of voice, begged to know if his lordly master would vouchsafe to be drawn home by one pair of horses. He came, Walter with six, for that unfortunately the postilion was very drunk drunk exclaimed mr valmont did you say drunk the man bowed and looked sorry then ventured slowly to insinuate that he did not deem the coachman perfectly sober though not absolutely drunk he might be able to drive a pair of horses perhaps i shall have my neck broken cried mrs valmont then all my sorrows will be at an end together and you sir may be for once satisfied madam what mean you said the frowning dignitary the remedy was obvious to remain at monkton hall for the night was proposed to mr valmont with great earnestness by sir gilbert and my lady and at length acceded to by him with due reluctant solemnity Mrs. Valmont smiled through her terrors. To you, Walter, I give a sober, straightforward history, but in the opinions of my friends below stairs I am fast approaching towards the honours which the squires, postillion, and coachman have already purchased. I affected to grow very frolicsome early after dinner, and am at length become, with the help of claret and burgundy, as properly intoxicated to all appearances I find necessary to the carrying on of my plan however i am not yet retired for the night presently i mean to descend and give them such another specimen of my ability as shall make my departure so essential to their repose that they will not attempt to recall or disturb me a messenger boyer is gone to the castle to give notice of its master's absence for the night he carries other tidings there also tidings to me of great joy the servants of valmont castle are held in such constraint by their proud master that to enjoy the pleasures which are permitted in other households they are ever scheming the squire's absence is a festive holiday and griffiths was invited by the butler with whom he has purposely scraped an intimacy to partake of the joy of to-day why the invitation was neglected you may divine by the messenger now sent to the castle, Griffiths informs the butler that, as Mr. Valmont is safe at the hall, and Lord Filmar is safe in bed, the night is their own. He begs they will prepare for mirth and gaiety, bids the housekeeper and her damsels put on their dancing shoes, and promises to join them early, accompanied by his brother, who plays an excellent fiddle and is the merriest fellow alive such is the substance of griffith's message to the domestics doubt them not walter they will jump at the opportunity and swallow my bait with all the greediness i can desire it is now past nine my pulse begins to beat riotously as if i were drunk in earnest poor undiscerning souls i have looked in the glass warrior all the uncertainty of my success trembles in my eye all the tumult of hopes and fears sits on my countenance yet these animals cannot perceive it would it were over the scene is almost prepared to shift i am dismissed from the parlour and as griffiths tells them am at rest now i wait but his summons he has gone to hint among the servants here the advantage he is about to take of his master's infirmity and hypocritically to request some one will make an excuse for him should i by chance awake and ring my bell before he returns the coast securely clear i quit the house join griffiths at the lodge and at the corner of a little town only a quarter of a mile from sir gilbert's we are to find Griffith's brother waiting in a chaise this brother who would not have been here if we hadn't sent for him was only a common footman a week ago but the two days he has passed at the inn in our neighbourhood has transformed him into a man of property and he does not choose to go four miles in the rain without a covered carriage had it not rained he would probably have received a sprain in his ankle or his knee the grand business over for which his assistance is required he puts on the Filmar livery and becomes my footman i was going to say my wife's but there's hazard in that gratitude may beget love and violently grateful will she be no doubt to the man that has helped to make her fortune walter i am no coward yet i say again would it were over i will put this paper in my pocket should i get undetected into the castle i shall have many hours of waiting and to write my thoughts will certainly relieve me during the tedious interval i hear griffith's signal i come adieu safe in the castle tis just eleven o'clock two will be the earliest i dare attempt to seize my prize three hours three ages i may say to undergo all the misery of expecting in every blast of wind the destruction of my project wind enough how it rolls floods of rain too a horrid and tempestuous night this we must procure some covering to shield her from the storm till we reach the chaise i will mention it to griffiths that he may be quite in readiness i should be sorry were she to suffer by the storm's inclemency does she go unwillingly she suffers enough in going goes she willingly still she deserves not to suffer why thou cold whining Filmar! where is thy manhood only the last stroke wanting and that the easiest to accomplish and thy scheme thy darling scheme is perfect thy very valet claps the wings of exultation and sings the song of triumph shame shame rouse thyself cast a look forward Philmar yes walter i am here happily supplied with a lighted taper by the dexterity and contrivance of griffiths securely stationed in one of the best apartments where even the mirth of the servants cannot reach me in a buzzing murmur there is no hazard that any one of them should quit his diversions to wander among the mazy recesses of this mansion and i do rejoice abundantly in my security yet walter i may rejoice and feel the benumbing effects of this cold gloomy dwellings too these old buildings are admirably contrived to fix odd impressions on the mind i do not at all wonder that every ancient castle is haunted in report another such night in another such place and i could swear i perceived shapeless forms gliding around me i listen one minute to the variety of sound produced by the gathering winds and the next find it hushed to so dead a calm that the sound of my breathings alone interrupts the silence such think of it think of it walter such are my employments i wonder whereabouts this armory lays griffiths could tell the castle is amazing large yet griffiths is perfectly skilled in its geography he described to me as we came hither the situation of miss valmont's apartments they are nearer to where i am now stationed than to any other habitable part of the building the spacious gallery into which this room opens runs the length of the whole front excepting the wings and the towers narrow long passages connect the wings with the main building and the passage nearest my side of the gallery conducts you by a short flight of steps immediately up to miss valmont's abode but this is not the road we are to take because in a little room within that passage sleeps her attendant silent andrew and we choose not to pass so near him lest perhaps these resounding walls tell him of our footsteps ours is a more intricate path the adjoining antechamber will lead us to a narrower staircase descending this we shall cross some of the lower apartments and making a circuit gain the bottom of the west tower from whence alleys and winding-stone stairs will introduce us to the end of miss valmont's gallery opposite to that we must have entered had we gone in the straightforward direction we deem it advisable to descend with our charge the same way and to leave the castle by a little door in the west tower it is to be sure on the wrong side and will oblige us to carry our burthen if the young lady should not be disposed just then to make use of her limbs so much the further griffith's brother is a strong bony dark-looking fellow strength will be necessary if persuasion should fail and i cannot spare more than ten minutes to try the effects of my rhetoric i will enter first and should a shriek of surprise or shriek of rapture remember my person walter escape her the closed doors distance of situation and sleep of security will prevent andrew from hearing indeed should he mal-a-propos interfere it is only the extra trouble of binding him to good behaviour it did once enter my thoughts to bribe this old fellow to our purposes but the attempt might have wrought a discovery Fearing nothing he suspects nothing. Absence of all care and a warm nightcap lull him to repose, and pleasant be his dreams. Ours all the hazard, ours the reward. I have promised five hundred pounds to Griffiths and a hundred pounds to his brother. My share of the plunder is to them a secret now though i allow the damsel one squall yet i positively interdict any repetitions of the sort and as you know i immediately became the arbiter of her fate the sooner i accustom her to implicit obedience the easier it will be to both in future walter i mend my flagging spirits begin to bound and curve it oh when we are once seated in that chaise and four which now waits our coming in a retired corner not above a hundred yards from the other side of the moat how will my imagination outstrip the speed of the horses dost thou talk of pursuit walter no no i mock pursuit supposing we get not away till three or four we still shall have six or seven hours advantage in point of time then the old dons won't dream which way we are gone they do not know what you and i do know the great reward attendant on my deed and sorrowfully remembering the wickedness and sinfulness of their own youthful hearts they will unrighteously judge of me and sit down piteously to lament the loss of the lady's honour whilst i like a good christian and worthy member of society so far from diminishing am increasing her stock of honour for the honour of a virgin is but a single portion whereas according to wise institutions the honour of a wife is twofold she bearing her husband's honour and her own pray heaven the cargo be not too mighty where is lord Filmar? says one of the party assembled at ten to-morrow morning to breakfast in monkton hall parlour tell griffiths to let his lordship know we expect him at breakfast says the earl i told mr griffiths my lord replies the footman one servant will always lie for another but he says his lordship is asleep this produces many pleasant allusions to last night's intemperance among the good souls and they go to breakfast without me now in the steward's room one wonders mr griffiths is not come home a second wonders at my good nature and his faults and a fourth wonders i do not awake amidst all this wit and wonder another hour or two passes and then two or three more probably in the surmises occasioned by the discovery of my absence the servants of the castle in the meantime are employed in their usual occupations not at all surprised that their visitors had quitted them early unseen because it had been so intended by them andrew indeed waits miss valmont's summons for breakfast and deems it somewhat tardy he concludes her walk to be unusually pleasing and eats his own repast in peace and quietness at length his thoughts verge towards the extraordinary and he inclines to seek further no andrew tis in vain you search no fair wood-nymph greets your eye no voice answers to your call ay ay assemble them hold your convocations in the great hall crowd closer and closer whisper your suspicions lest the dread ear of Al-Mans catch the tidings that she is gone who shall carry these tidings to mr valmont not i not i not i answers every voice at once and up to the hall door drives his coach and six away fly the pale culprits jostling against each other confusion retards their speed and the dreadful secret is in part betrayed fie mr valmont fie don't swear don't call hard names can't you hear him walter declaring his rage and threatening his vengeance i can ill news flies fast mr valmont's horses are not unharnessed turn your eyes to monkton hall see the squire enter see the earl turn pale the baronet attempt to look sorry and see them as i before observed sitting in judgment on me and putting their own black constructions on my innocent praiseworthy intentions assuredly walter could i have commanded every circumstance in my own way it could not have happened more favourably mr valmont's porter is ill and has been removed from the lodge into the house to be better nursed two grooms were deputed to take care of the drawbridge mr valmont absent we found it down and down it remains now with what art griffiths drew off the postilion while i got into the chaise the lad had not a suspicion he carried more than two i crouched to the bottom as they got out and griffiths whipped up the blinds in an instant he gave me one complete fright we had agreed the postilion should follow them into the house to be paid while i freed myself imagine how i trembled to hear them discharging him on the spot and he thanking and wishing their honours good-night stop my boy at length cried griffiths hasn't thou got a wet jacket yes indeed master replied the postilion tis well soaked why you griping old fellow this was addressed to the butler who had come out to meet them you grow as stingy as your master why don't you offer the lad a little inside clothing come postilion come you shall go in and drink my health in a bumper but first my boy lead your horses under that arch and they escape being wetter then singing he led the whole train into the back part of the castle now this thought of the arch was the luckiest imaginable for I had any of the grooms by chance stayed loitering about the yard the chaise was then so effectually screened they could not have seen me descend from it turning on the right side of the arch i crept along the front of the castle crossed the inner court and the hall door with one gentle push gave me admittance had the door been fastened i must have waited there till griffiths could steal an opportunity to let me in in this part of the castle twas dark as darkness itself but as i had been in this apartment before and came by the great staircase i found my way hither without trip or stumble Griff, i fancied nay i'm sure i heard a noise yet all is silent again it was like the creaking of a door and like something falling rats probably the midnight tenants of the mansion Good. God, how slowly the minutes move. only seventeen minutes and a half after twelve! Astonishing! That must be hail, surely! I never heard rain drive with such impetuosity. The casements tremble. I could almost fancy the building rocks, with the tempest's violence. What wonders will not education, custom, and habit accomplish? Miss Valmont, I dare say, feels no horror in listening to such sounds, nor tracing these murmuring galleries, lonely staircases, etc. I should not exist six months in this castle. So she must indeed be a strange unformed being her portrait that i told you of hangs in this very room and on my conscience it would persuade me she is an animated intelligent creature but i know 'tis impossible and now and then when the six thousand pounds per annum gets a little into the shade i anticipate fearful things it is fortunate walter that she has the advantages of person for on that account i shall have a little the less reluctance in showing her to the world and a little more pleasure in attempting to humanize her yet i fear it would be but gawky beauty neither and that i abominate robust health no doubt strong limbs hanging arms a gigantic stride and the open-mouthed stare of a savage oh dear i must be fond too i suppose as we travel towards matrimony but i don't feel the least inclined to fondness no although i shall seize her unattired in bed perhaps no not one wild wish or mischievous thought will enter my bosom my pulse will continue to beat evenly my blood keep in its temperate course i shall be a perfect anchorite for me she can have no enticements my merciful do i dream or boyer or, am i not in valmont castle did i not come hither to carry off the niece of valmont and was that bright vision the sabella valmont whom i have so traduced hush walter repeat not my crime if thou hopest for peace in this world or happiness in the next it could not be her her that i came in search of yes but it was her angel as she is in form her heart is the heart of a mortal still Oh, clement said she and spreading one hand upon her heaving bosom sighed deeply she addressed herself to that picture art thou safe my love terrifying dreams disturb my rest she saw me not for her back was toward me as she entered heaven preserve my clement said she again after a pause she would have continued thus soliloquizing but i to gain a view of her face attempted to change my attitude my cursed coat had somehow got entangled in the chair and threw it against the table as i moved she turned around and i as in the presence of a goddess bowed lowly to the very ground she then approached nearer and my eyes retreated from the scrutiny with which she viewed me the examination lasted more than a minute and all that time i was racking my invention to find words to address her but i might as well have been born dumb i had neither articulation nor sounds to articulate mark me sir said she and i like the idiot i had been describing her bowed again mr valmont may bring you here may make this castle my prison but my will is free i tell you sir i am beyond your reach remember it i am beyond your reach and away she glided mr valmont may bring you here why who the devil could she take me for i thought mr valmont brought nobody here i am beyond your reach say not so sweet saint i would not have you now beyond my reach for a king's ransom if she should alarm the house walter hark no tis nothing she knew me yet knew me not defied me yet is a stranger to my purpose what can all this mean ha then it may be true that this frightful place has deranged her intellects certainly that is the case she looked a lovely lunatic wrapped up in a loose gown her hair streaming at its length and arisen in the dead of night to apostrophize to her own picture yet i am not deterred walter i'll undertake her restoration expect me in london immediately i unsay all i would not yield her up to her uncle no not for an hour is she returned to her bed i wonder oh my moderation is given to the wind the time draws near i heard the clapping of distant doors i cannot write i can hardly breathe boyer they shall neither of them touch her i will carry her myself i could not bear to see their arms encircle the sweet girl i'll enter her chamber first her face they must behold but with the same zeal that i would feast mine own senses upon her other charms will i hide them from the profanation of vulgar eyes the great clock striking two has just filled the turrets with its sound griffiths has been with me their gayer sports have ceased punch bowls and story-telling succeed the dance and song their animal spirits drooping with excess and fatigue their old midnight habits return mysterious tales of ghosts go round the circle and each becomes desirous of seeking rest though fearful to separate a few more bumpers griffiths says will at once bring them courage and sleep he bids me assure myself of success griffiths and his brother are to have a chamber in the front of the north wing all the domestics he says except andrew and his daughter lie in the back part of the building within two hours my lord said griffiths as he quitted me your triumph is complete two hours walter two hours of yesterday were nothing but two hours of this night now you do not know the length of hours boyer how should you when you come to this line my dear walter fill to your friends prosperity my two agents are here the light is already placed in the dark lanterns not a sleepless eye in the castle but our own all even old andrew partook of the libations and resigned their senses to seal my triumph griffiths has shown me a gag it will not sure be necessary should it i will heal those lips with kisses my lines stagger no wonder i'm on the summit now, I only stay to seal this letter. In the first town we arrive at, after daybreak, it shall be committed to the post. Go or send instantly and stop all proceedings on the mortgage. Adieu, adieu. Rejoice with Philmar. End of section 34 End of the second volume